Hey everyone, welcome back to the ENC Leadership Podcast. I was so happy to hear some of the feedback that people gave from um, last week's episode on the leader's emotions. I was so happy to hear from people who said that uh, it helped them make sense of what they're going through right now. And even in general, it helped them to know that we can give those emotions to God and we don't have to choose between are my emotions valid but I don't want to do what they say. Yeah, you can acknowledge your emotions, but we don't need to be driven by them either. And God handles them. I also enjoyed some of the feedback from the people um, who gave uh, sarcastic comments, saying things like, wow, I never imagined I would see the day that you would make a podcast about emotions. So thank you for those people who commented that. You're really my friends. And uh, I, I appreciate the sarcasm and the jokes. And so that's what we said last week. Our emotions are valid. We don't deny them, but we don't need to be driven by them at the same time. Instead, what we're called to do as leaders is to hear from God and do what He calls us to do. So it's not our emotions driving us, but what what is God telling me to do? And that leads us to our next block. If the first block is that we talked about is the leader's emotions, now we're talking about the leader's responsibility. What are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And see, that question, if you ask different people, they might have different expectations on you on what you should be doing, different answers to what you should be doing at this time. But really, the only bulletproof answer to that question is, what is God telling you to do? And very often, what he says could be similar to other people, but might not be exactly the same as other people. So if we don't listen to God, and we go around just copying what other people do, or reacting to what other people say and either doing it or rejecting it without thinking, we're not able to hear what God's calling us to do. We're not really able to do our responsibility. And see, what it needs for us to be leaders is to be separate from those things and to be able to make a free decision and choose based on what we know God is telling us. That's what we call the differentiated leader, the differentiated leader. We mentioned this last week as well. And differentiation, I want to read a definition from the book, The Leader's Journey by Jim Harrington. And it says, differentiation deals with the effort to define oneself, to control oneself, to become a more responsible person, and to permit others to be themselves as well. Huh, that's interesting. We define ourselves, we control ourselves, we become more responsible people, and we permit others to do the same. See, very often when it comes to defining and controlling, we want to define and control other people. I know that's what I do. A little bit more about that later. But this is not what that means. Instead, we're focusing those efforts and saying, Lord, what are you calling me to do? Now, let me uh, just qualify for define oneself. Very often, people with an, um, really no lordship to Jesus, no sub- submission to Jesus, will say, yeah, I define myself, I make up my own rules. That's not what I'm talking about here. Obviously, Jesus is Lord over all the earth, uh, over the earth and my life and my emotions. So I'm not talking about living in rebellion to him. That being said, even people who want to do that are free to do that. Jesus lets them do that and they will you know, experience the consequences of that life, eternal separation from God and death uh, for themselves for doing that. What I mean by define oneself and control oneself is to say, I am responsible for what's going on with me. And I want to allow you 
to be responsible for what's going on with yourselves as well. The book goes on to give some bullet points. They say, this differentiation might include, number one, the ability to steer your own course in the turbulent waters of a living system. See, when things become turbulent, when things become anxious, when people get their emotions up, it's almost like we don't have a choice anymore. And people take that out of our control. And differentiation means, no, I do have a choice. I know why I'm saying while I'm saying this now, it sounds ideal. And it sounds like, well, sana ganun lahat. Sana pwede lagi yan. And we acknowledge that this will take a long time to doing that. That's why I said last week, I love the discussion groups I'm in because sometimes we'll admit, hey, I got to, to be a differentiated leader today. Most of the time, what we're admitting is, oh, I didn't do it again. I got anxious. I gave in. But at least I'm spotting it now. You know what else it means? To become less anxious amidst other people's anxieties. That's from the book again. Here's another bullet point. The ability to take responsibility for one's own emotions and feelings rather than expecting others to deal with them. Wow, that's a lot. Now, I'm not saying we don't share with other people. Of course we share. But is our act of sharing an effort to take responsibility for our own actions or an effort to be released of that responsibility and just dump are we sharing in order so that we can hear God better and know what He's saying so we can move in the direction He wants us to go? Or are we sharing because we don't want to do what God's telling us to do and we want somebody else to make the choice for us? Those are different things. Differentiation of the self also means the ability to know the difference between thinking and feeling. Thinking and feeling. I feel this way. But that doesn't mean I've thought about it and that I should never necessarily do it. They say, they could go on, a leader who has the capacity to know and do the right thing understands himself or herself apart from others and so can achieve distance from a situation and observe what's really going on without letting personal reactivity or anxiety get in the way. <sighs> this is difficult. Because we're all connected and we all affect one another and that's why it's important for us to regain that. See, what happens when we're poorly differentiated? There's, there's two possible things that can happen when we're poorly differentiated. Meaning we're not able to differentiate ourselves from others. One possibility is we tend to control other people. We can't differentiate where I end and the other person begins. That control could look like manipulating their behavior, assuming their intentions, and predetermining what we think they should do. You know, if you were really repentant, you would do it this way. You would respond this way. And so when people who like to control, when that comes up, we love those people who are compliant. We love those people who are easy because they give us control. I tell you, be a church. You're a church for me. Doesn't matter whether you want to or not. You're doing it because I told you to. Of course, if I'm a control freak, and I tend to be that way apart from Jesus, if I'm a control freak, I'm going to love people like that. And on the other hand, people who don't let me control them, well, I have no place for you. You don't belong in my life. You don't belong on my team. I don't want to see you around my small group, my church, because you're not listening, because you're stubborn. And I might use those words, but those words could often be used 
to attack people who won't let me control them. Are we trying to control others? One way we might say it is if you really cared about this issue, you would do this. You're controlling their decision. You're prejudging. Even as followers of Jesus, we, we can't do that for people. Now, I know while I'm saying this, you know, there's a, there's a voice inside of me, the control freak inside of me, and maybe there's one in you as well, in your head, that's saying, but if I don't do that, they'll just get worse. If I don't control them, where will this end up? But we end up that way, but he, see, here's what's wrong with that mindset. We're controlling them and we're robbing them of the opportunity to be themselves. See, one of the main foundations of this way of thinking is this realization. You can't change people. You can't change people. I'm not saying people don't change. People change all the time. But you can't do it. I can't do it. I can help in contributing to the environment where change becomes more likely. I can help in helping that person get to the place where they decide to change. But I can't do it. See, what that means is we need to respect other people's volition, other people's choices. If we remove that from them, we're not fixing things in the long term. Now, of course, that might be essential in the short term, okay? I mean, my, my, my sons, okay, uh, Philip is six and he would eat sweets all day if I didn't give him a choice. Of course, in that mindset, I've got to control that and say, look, for now, you're in my responsibility. God's put you in my charge. You're not going to eat all of these cookies at the same time. I will. No, you will not eat all of these cookies at the same time. That's not good for you. But the day will come where he's going to have to make his own decisions. I can't, I can't do that for him. I can't rob him of that. You can't change people. Let me, let me read a quote from A Failure of Nerve. And um, I mentioned this last week. This was the original book I tried to read that introduced this concept to me. And I got maybe 10% into it. And I just, I can't, it was too dense. I'm so thankful I ran into Seth to explain everything to me. But this was one of the quotes in that beginning section that that really jumped out at me, that made me think, wait, I'm really reading something different here. Here's what it says. The colossal misunderstanding of our time is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. Let me stop there first. The colossal, that means huge, the massive misunderstanding of our time is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. What is insight? That's knowledge. That's jumping straight to what you know, what you're supposed to know. And the biggest misunderstanding of our time, they saying, is that we think telling people what they should know is going to work when they don't want to change. Wow. And just think of how much knowing and telling people what to know goes around, right? And I'm a preacher. You know, I'm a pastor. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> but none of that will work if they're not motivated to change. Unless the Holy Spirit does a work in their heart. 
And see, that changed the way I would preach and I would do small groups and even talk to people one-on-one. Because before, I would just be like, you need to get this insight. I need to shove it in there, in you, so that you would understand, so you can change. And when I don't see people changing, I haven't given enough. Give you more, more, more. Cram it in there. They don't want to change. If they don't want to change, you can't control them. The quote continues, if you want your child, your spouse, your client, or your boss to shape up, stay connected while changing yourself rather than trying to fix them. You can't control people. Some people have been asking at this site, how do I lead when I'm not the top leader? How do I lead from any position in the organization? Well, that depends. If by lead you mean control people, we don't know how to do that. That's not a good way. That's not leadership. But if you're saying, I want to lead, I want to be able to influence people around the system, then this is how. Be a differentiated leader. Which means you can't control them. You have to let people be themselves. That's who they are. You have to respect the the design of God in their life. You also have to respect the work of God in their life. Some of the most hurtful things I've done in leadership, whether in ministry or in family or even in friendship, have been the times when I didn't respect God's process in somebody else's life. I would look at them and I would say, "Er, you're, you're not done yet. Why aren't you done? Look at me. I am done. That's, that's impatience. That's judging. Now, we're going to get later to the place where you do make judgment calls. I'm not saying this is a que-sera-sera, live-and-let-live, lazy-fair kind of um, leading where we never get involved. Yes, we do stay connected and we do speak what needs to be said and done, but we cannot control. Magkaiba yun. Magkaiba yung pagbibigay ng comment, pagbibigay ng correction sa pagkocontrol ng tao. Pwede mo siyang i-correct, pwede, ka pwede mo siyang i-warn. At kung makinig siya o hindi, yun na yung decision niya. So what the first sign of poor differentiation is controlling others. The second sign of poor differentiation is letting others control us. Letting others control me. When I don't do what God's called me to do, but instead I do what others want me to do. And very often we're most susceptible to this from people who say good things, from people who bring up good causes, but we didn't stop to say, Lord, and it's not God's will and God's purpose that's driving us. It's something else. What are those things that could drive us? Well, one is need. That's a big one for me. Need. There's a need somewhere. I should fix it. I just got so used to doing that. I just got so used to not saying no. I just got so used to, well, okay, someone needs help. Let me do it. Let me do it. And if I'm honest, I like it. I like that feeling of being needed and wanted. It makes me feel significant. I would rather be the overworked, um, undervalued leader. At least I can pat myself on the back in my exhaustion and say, at least you did more than everybody else. That's a pretty dark thought, but you know, it's honest that I do get there. But that's not what God's calling me to do. And see, it's so hard to see that that's not God 
Because I can just look at all these needs I met and look at all of these grateful people and think, hey, I helped him, I helped her. But is that what God's calling me to do? And really, I can't point at those good works at that because I have to see and be honest about the negative fruit in my life of that kind of living, of that kind of decision-making. The negative fruit of complaining, of a critical spirit, of burnout, of neglecting even more fundamental responsibilities than those things. Neglecting my own health, neglecting my own family, neglecting my own walk with God, and using that need and my quote-unquote leadership as an excuse. Some of you are neglecting and, and hear me you know I, I say this not as someone judging you uh, for with a struggle that I don't go through myself but some of you are neglecting more fundamental responsibilities in front of you for bigger needs quote unquote bigger needs when really we should ask Lord what are you calling me to do now what are you calling me to do now have we heard from God that way because if we haven't, then we're not differentiated leaders. We're on autopilot. We're being controlled and manipulated by something, someone else. That's one, need. Another one is guilt, kind of connected to need. I'm manipulated into it. Um, I don't have time to tell this whole story, but you know that, that's been a, a pattern with, with me and my wife. Where she would say, hey, I need help with this. And I would think of it like, okay, fine, I gotta go help her. But I'd say it that way, you know, in my heart. And I feel bad because I know I was supposed to do something else, something more important, or something that maybe not more important, but I know that I was supposed to finish, but I didn't get to because I'm helping Carla. So here's what happens. By the time I deliver whatever she wanted, I'm still irritated. Why? Because it wasn't a free decision. I let myself be manipulated into it. And one day, you know, Carla looked at me and said to me, look, it's okay if you say no, just say no. But don't act irritated with me or, or lose your temper with me because I supposedly asked you for a favor. If you don't want to do it, just don't do it. You know what she was doing? I love this woman for this. You know what she was doing? She was calling me to be a differentiated leader. She even said, look, it's my problem with God. If I don't like what you said, but you have to hear from God and tell me what you're hearing. See, some of you are being guilted into all kinds of work around the house, in ministry even. What is God telling you to do? I get questions all the time. What if I'm supposed to volunteer, but I'm already so tired and burnt out and this and this? First of all, I'm willing to bet, you know, 99.99% of the time, your pastor, your, your small group leader, whoever it is, will be like, oh gosh, I didn't know that. I'm, let me know. <laughs> Take a break, okay? We can talk about those things. And even if they don't understand, why are you doing it? See, Lord Bayan, guilt can drive us sometimes and let other people control us. Uh, fear is another one. Fear of being left behind. Fear of what other people are doing. Fear of missing out. Where's the faith? Where's the hearing from God and saying, Lord, um, I want to trust you at this time. Pressure 
is another driving thing to be like everyone else. Everyone's doing it this way. See, this is not leadership being driven by need, by guilt, by fear, by pressure. It's not leadership. It's just reacting. And it doesn't feel right, right? You know that feeling. You're forced to doing the quote-unquote right thing and you still feel bad about it. You know that? Because it was coerced. That's never God's way. And this is why I like the concept of differentiated leaders because imagine the opposite of this. People who are not coerced. People who know what God's called them to do and how God's called them to work together and are free to make those decisions. Which means sometimes we'll be different, but we're going to stay connected. Not photocopies, not clones, not parrots of one another. But people who hear the Father's voice and can do what they're called to do in the present time. Honestly, the best picture of a differentiated leader is Jesus. Like, watch him. And and the book, The Leader's Journey, goes into detail about this, where it talks about how he can he is free. He's not beholden to his followers. He, he he's not um, controlled by the mob when they like him. He doesn't keep making them like him because oh no, what will I do if I, if they don't like me? No, he's listening to the Father. Even his own emotions, he could differentiate it. Not my will, but yours be done. Oh, what a beautiful picture! See, what are the leader's responsibilities? Number one, I'm responsible for myself and what God has put in my sphere of influence. I'm responsible for myself and my sphere of influence. What that means is I'm responsible for my emotions and feelings and how I process them. That was in the definition we read earlier. I'm not, other people aren't responsible for this for me. I'm responsible for my own emotions and feelings. Let me say something that might be difficult. People can hurt you and say things that affect you But we have a choice on how we respond and even whether or not we want to keep hearing those kinds of things. We can walk away. We can end the conversation. My emotions and feelings are my responsibility. Secondly, I'm responsible for my calling. That includes my long-term vocation or what have you called me to do? Am I called to be a business person? Am I called to be a, 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 a media practitioner? Am I called to be a government employee? Whatever it is, that's your calling. Now, calling includes my relationship with God, my long-term vocation. It also includes my short-term responsibilities. So, my calling is campus ministry. But earlier today, my calling included the immediate responsibility of washing the dishes. (laughs) That's my calling. And I'm responsible for that. If I'm supposed to wash the dishes, but someone else has a need or a project that they're presenting to me, but I know that God has called me to wash the dishes. That's what I'm responsible for. That other need, that other project can wait, can be given to someone else, but no one else is going to wash these dishes instead of me because God has put this as my responsibility. My emotions, my feelings, my calling, my relationship with God, my long-term vocation, my short-term responsibilities. Um, Whatever else that God's put in you to lead. Are you in charge of a team? Are you leading a group? Are you leading a business? Then God's called you to lead that. And this is where the the leader's judgment needs to come in. You can't control the people there, but you must do your part in ensuring that whatever God called you to do in that place is fulfilled. For example, if I'm leading a team, I can't control the, the intentions and the motives or even the actions of the people in the team. 
but I do have the responsibility of making sure that that team is healthy and runs well and correcting people when they're doing something that doesn't uh, take into effect. Correcting doesn't mean controlling, mind you. And if they don't comply and they don't help the purpose of the team, then depending on my responsibility, I could take them out. I could move them out. I could ask them to step out because I'm responsible for this team. If the business owner needs to fire someone for the betterment of the team, that, that's what he should do. That's what you're responsible for. You're responsible for what you can do. What is God calling you to do now? But secondly, I'm not responsible for what you can do. I'm responsible for what I can do, but I'm not responsible for what you can do. This is wrong because it stresses me out. It stresses you out as the leader. Many of you are overworked because of that. We're trying to do what other people are called to do. If you'll remember in, in the interview with Seth, he gave the example of the family, of people in families where there's one family member who's over-functioning, doing so much to make up for the, the deficiencies or the irresponsibilities of those other family members. And it's burning them out. I had a friend who texted me after that episode. And I, I love this person. He's a good friend, an amazing leader. And this person texted me and said, so have I just been over-functioning this whole time? <laughs> And I felt so bad uh, for them because it, it, you know, it reminded me of myself. And I thought, yes, <laughs> yes. And, and I was so happy for her humility to admit to herself that, yes, I have been overfunctioning. To say, look, I'm not going to take that. That's not my responsibility. So it's wrong because it stresses you and me out. It it drives a wedge in our relationships. We become nannies and, and, and guardians and disciplinarians to people who should be our friends, our family members, and our teammates. But you know what? It's also wrong, not just because it stresses us out, but because it robs the other person of the chance to learn, to change, and to grow. We're robbing them of that chance by taking it away from them, by always making the call. And some of you are going to try to apply this and pull back and stop controlling those people. And you're going to notice in the beginning that they're going to keep wanting you to decide for them. And you have to realize that's not just their fault, that's partially your fault, it's partially my fault for overcrowd or, or, or encroaching, or, or going beyond our borders and, and making decisions for them. Let me give some examples. Some people liked the love life examples last week. If you like someone, admit you like them. If someone tells you something, for example, hey, I don't think it's a good idea for you to be going out with that person. You take that information and you ask God, is this what God's telling me to do? Don't go to that person and say, you know what, my pastor said we should break up. That's just terrible. I've I've met people who who that was the advice they they, they were given, and then, and then they went and did that. It's just so hurtful. It's just so hurtful. And you know, this is an abdication of your own responsibility. Stop doing that. You're responsible for what you can do. You're not responsible for what other people can do. So I'm responsible for myself. I'm not responsible for you. Now, if we stopped here, this would be a very simplistic mindset. Because that would be easy. Okay, but that's not thinking biblically. See, what happens is because we cannot control or we don't want to be controlled anymore, it feels like the only other option is, Ed, let's not be friends. Why will I talk to you? 
Diyan ka, dito ako. And some of us have done that with people in our lives. I know I have. We're still missing another piece. And we'll talk about it in the next episode. The complete picture is this. I'm responsible for myself and what I can do. I'm not responsible for you and what you can do. And you and I will stay connected in relationship. The other part of that definition on differentiation from the leader's journey, it says, it's the ability to remain connected in relationship to significant people in our lives and yet not have our reactions and behavior determined by them. This is a healthy relationship. This is a healthy team. This is a healthy family. This is a healthy nation. If we can somehow stay connected with people, and respect their freedom and not try to control them and not let them control us and instead all of us are healthier and healthier able to act and move and make decisions and hear from God for ourselves this would have so much variety this would have so much power but it takes a lot that's hard and that's why we're talking about that next week the last episode on this uh, Leading in an Anxious World series, we talked about the leader's emotions. This is the leader's responsibility. Next week is the leader's relationships. But let me leave you with this answer uh, just before we go. This is why managing our anxiety and throwing it to God is crucial. That's why last week was crucial. Because when our anxiety is at its limit, we end up resorting to being controlled or controlling or distancing. Yun lang yung options natin eh. But if somehow there's a way to depressurize, if somehow there's a God that we can cast our cares and burdens to, that He can replace with His peace, then we can stay in that relationship and stick to what we're called to do and not control other people, not be controlled by them, but still stay connected to them. That's the answer. Some processing questions as we end this episode. Are you being responsible for yourself, for your feelings and emotions, for your calling, your immediate short-term responsibilities, and even your long-term one? Maybe good for some of us to specify what those things are, to just take a, a, you know, your phone and type it out and just say, God has made me responsible for whatever, this team, this org. For some of you, my room, my bed. Kung yun lang yung sasabihin mo, de yun lang gawin mo. But be responsible for that. You must lead that. That's important, what you're doing, because God put you in charge of that. Second question, are you trying to control others or letting them control you? What's driving this? Why? Where is it coming from? Is it guilt? Is it, is it fear? Do I need to control them because of fear? Am I pressured to be like everybody else? Why is that happening? And you can even ask yourself, how does believing the gospel change that? How does believing the gospel negate that reason or give you a more powerful reason than letting be, yourself be controlled or controlling others? Third question to help us reflect. You can discuss this in your groups. Why is it hard to stay connected without controlling or being controlled? Why is that so hard? And how does trusting Jesus help us with that? I hope you take the time to discuss this with people. It's super powerful when we learn to live this way i've been so thankful for the opportunity to apply it for seth who shared it with me and for the the people i get to process this with as well 
If you want to learn more and connect with us more, go, go to ENC Leaders on Facebook. And uh, if you want to discuss this podcast with me, just add me on Instagram at Campus Joe. Um, send me a message first before because I, I don't know all the people there. So if I don't know them, I don't add them. But uh, I'd love to talk with you about that and help you get connected with people as well who can do that. Well, God bless you. Let's continue leading. Let's focus on the responsibilities God has for us. And we'll find that we're able to lead in a healthy, powerful, faith-filled, sustainable, enjoyable way that will amazingly be effective and have a deep impact in the lives of people around us. God bless you. See you next week.